I'm Brianna. I'm Sarah. And we are the Squad Ghouls. Just a couple of creepy gals that love creepy things. (laughs) It's the Mondayest Monday ever. I don't even want to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) That lotto can't come (laughs) any sooner. (laughs) Hey, just remember us little people if you win the lottery. Mm -hmm. Poor, Poor favor. Yes, please. I'd appreciate that. I'll be your bouncer. You'll okay. need a bouncer. I can do that for you. Yeah. I will just... Uh, you know, I don't normally fight people, but if you pay me, I'll do it. <laughs> I was taking a sip of tea. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I probably would do that if you paid me with your lot of money. I'm too tired to fight anybody, but I'll make an exception if you win. I'll be your bouncer. Okay. I'll be your Kevin Costner. Oh. You can be my Whitney. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, if if I win, you're getting like a really big chunk, just so you know. No, just let me still hang around you. I'll be fine with that. And then pay me Girl, to be I'm going to call you like, guess what? You need to like quit or take time off cuz we're going to be gone for like a month just traveling. I will put in my notice now. <laughs> We're going to, like, not work for a while. We'll do the podcast, but we can, like, do it on the road. We'll take squad ghouls on the road. Before I put in my notice, I will pick up a couple of extra USB mics. There you go. And that's all we'll need. A little webcam or something if we decide to do video. Are we starting an OnlyFans? I mean, I feel like I should because everybody (laughs) on there is making money. I'm just saying. (laughs) If you have an OnlyFans, teach me your ways. Right, and it can just be things like, how do I get paid to eat chips? Because you know there's some weird people that are into that. No offense to anybody who listens to us you that's into ASMR. A-M-R-S-S? No, ASMR. Yeah, Okay, that's what I thought it was. Okay. No, I know that there are some college students that do videos of their feet, and they have now paid their way through college. That was like Peggy Hill in King of the Hill. Yeah, pretty much. When she like stomped on corned beef and all that business. Oh, that's so gross. I know. <laughs> but people are into it. Or her feet got like tarred and feathered and stuff or honeyed and feathered. Oh, okay. People were weird about it. Oh my gosh. But I mean, that's I, I just want to figure out how to make money sitting exactly. around and eating chips. I like so, that. If anybody I mean, knows, I would subscribe. <laughs> Just sit there and listen to me crunch. <laughs> in each, in each, uh, each episode, you can, uh, you know, have a different bag of chips. Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> Go through all the vegan chips. Oh, boy. Well, I have a joke for you. Speaking of food, yeah, I have I'm a ready. joke for you. I'm ready. Why didn't the scarecrow eat dinner? I don't know why. He was already stuffed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love these. Well, I have a joke. What's that? How do you write a book about Halloween? I don't know, Brie. How do you? With a ghostwriter. That's cute. <laughs> I thought so. That's very cute. <laughs> well, shall we get into our booze news? We should. Booze news. Booze news. Okie dokie. I'm ready. So, the girl on the train and the director of The Help named Tate Taylor, oh. uh, who also did Ma with Octavia Spencer. Okay. Um. 
It's actually a super fun movie. I don't know yeah. if you saw it. Okay. I, I was cracking up, but that's it's just, just hilarious. <laughs> um, it, it definitely wasn't scary, and Octavia Spencer doesn't scare me. No. Um, I just see her as... Well, she puts poop in your in the pie that she makes. <laughs> yes. Um, but, word on the street is, Tate Taylor has an idea for a killer sequel. Really? Yeah, so he actually did a quick interview with EW and told them, I don't think we thought Ma was going to have this afterlife as a cult thing, and I think it's worth discussing a sequel. Um, He said, I know Octavia will do it, and that's why I purposely left her death ambiguous. Um, So, uh, you know, if you are just now listening to us, Tony Stark dies. Sorry, I just ruined (laughs) the ending of Ma for you. Um. And, but, you know, the movie came out like three years ago. You had time. Yeah, exactly. So he said his idea is that she's moved to another town and she's got open houses in another city and kills people in the open house. I think she'd be a real estate agent in the Pacific Northwest and just murder white people looking at McMansions. Oh my God, I'm here for this. <laughs> McMansions. And he literally said McMansions. I, could, I can't make this up. <laughs> That's great. And it is the Pac Northwest. So. Yeah, I might have to watch this. I know. I'm, I'm actually, that premise for the plot sounds better to me than the original. Because I also laughed at the Ma, the first one, where she was just luring these, you know, teenagers because all they want to do is drink alcohol. I mean, I, you know, same. I wasn't, I wasn't one of those teenagers. No, my, my 20, well, I mean, I played in bands oh. and I was the youngest person in my band. Ah. So I was forever having to drive everybody everywhere. <laughs> and like so many clubs i couldn't get into or there were very specific areas that i couldn't get into like Mm -hmm. it was legit you can come in through the back you can stand on the stage and you can fucking leave while all your bandmates are getting drunk um that was the story of my childhood but yeah so um shocker my 21st birthday was not the first time i had alcohol sorry mom (laughs) pretty sure she knew that already but yeah you know here we are we we all dabble just a little bit just a skosh (laughs) um and then also, more casting news for Lionsgate and Eli Roth's Borderlands movie adaptation. Ah. So, none other than Kevin Hart has officially joined the cast alongside the legendary Kate Blanchett. Oh, interesting. Yep. So, Hart is going to play Roland, who is a skilled ex-soldier turned mercenary. Oh, yeah. Um, so Eli Roth had said Borderlands is going to be a different kind of role for him. And we're excited to thrill audiences with a side of Kevin that they've never seen before. He's going to be an amazing Roland um, and not the piano. Apparently, this is a good guy <laughs> named Kevin is playing Roland. Um, so it's based on the best selling PC and console gaming experiences from Gearbox Software and Publisher 2K. Um, and it is a wholly owned label of take two interactive software, which no one cares about. Um, Borderlands is actually one of the most successful video game franchises, which I didn't know because I, the, my video game extent was Castlevania, Legend of Zelda mm-hmm. and Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. And that's it. Oh, oh, that's not true. I did the, um, American McGee Alice games on my PC. Oh, Back when, you know, PCs were this big old tower, chunky thing with the big old monitor. (laughs) Right. And they weighed a million pounds. And you had to put a lot of money in it to do all these gaming things. Yep, you sure did. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it'll be interesting. And, you know, they were able to land Kate Blanchett as well. So I know, that's saying something. I know. For a game, I mean, a a movie that's based on a game. Yeah. So, that's, I like it. I do love her. Good job for Kevin Hart, though, too. Right? Stepping up. (laughs) 
<laughs> yep. Well, so we had learned back in 2019 that Netflix was working on a series adaptation of Neil Gaiman's The Sandman comic books. I know you're really excited about this. I freaking, Neil Gaiman's my favorite. <laughs> my favorite. Well, they just announced the full main cast. So, here, here it is. Okay, I'm ready. So, Tom Sturridge is Dream who is the Lord of mm-hmm, Dreaming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we have Gwendolyn Christie <gasps> as Lucifer. Oh, snap. <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, dude, Gwendolyn Christie? Sips tea. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then, I'm I'm so sorry about the last name, but uh, Vivian Achim, Achimpong. Sure. Yeah. Is uh, Lucian the chief librarian and trusted guardian of right dreams on. realm and then we have boyd holbrook okay. as the corinthian any relationship to hal holbrook that's a good question i'm gonna have to look that I up i don't know <laughs> and then we have charles dance is uh he's gonna play uh roderick burgess okay a christian blackmailer and magician and then asim uh, Ch- uh chaudry is abel and also He's going to play Abel, uh, Sanjeev, uh, Bashkar, and, and Kane. Okay, cool. So there's a lot going on. <laughs> right on. So it's really exciting. And also, uh, Gaiman is also going to be executive producer and co-writer. Oh, perfect. So that's amazing. It's going to be on Netflix. Ruby. And the series is also being produced by Warner Brothers. Okay, cool. I am so. excited about this, especially because I don't have to buy another streaming service. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> I, I mean, I know that we just joined Discovery Plus, but like, I'm already like, I'm good. Did I pay you for February, by the way? No, because I told you not to. Okay, hold on. Don't you dare. Like <laughs> don't th- you dare. It's like $3. <laughs> don't you dare. Ve- exactly. It's like $3. And I'm sending you your $3. Oh my I need a set of reminders that I don't forget to pay for my half. I'm not going to remind you. No, I will remind myself. (laughs) And then I'm just going to give it back to you in some way. Anyway, (laughs) You'll just randomly leave it in my car. Yeah, I will. Because you do that to me. I do. I sneak it in your purse, too. I'm like, why is there $5 in my glove compartment? I don't know. (laughs) How did it get there? I have no idea. Oh, my God. Really? I got an email notification okay yep. <laughs> so next news another netflix um they announced that they are turning the graphic novel the witch boy into a, an animated musical feature film and it's going to feature original music by Haim. Ooh, yeah i thought that was really cool so the witch boy will be directed by oscar nominated director uh mink mink yu lee who did okay. Adam and Dog. And so the whole story is in a secret magical community where girls are born to be witches and boys grow into shapeshifters. Aster is surprised to discover his emerging and extraordinary witch powers. When a mysterious danger threatens his world, Aster must embark on a journey to uncover the truth behind himself, his powers, and everything that is magical. Ooh. Yeah. A little nerd heart is doing cartwheels over yeah, here. Yeah, so it's um, and it's going to be produced by Vertico Entertainment. So hopefully, we'll have a release date from Netflix soon. Right on. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> 
so um so continuing on with just celebrating black history month we're gonna share some great uh small businesses that are owned by some wonderful and beautiful black people indeed there it is (laughs) uh so i want to share uh, it's uh, one that I've been following for quite some time on Instagram, and it's ever endearing. Oh yeah, the great ears, the yes. mouse ears, love them. Now, have you been to her Instagram lately? Mm, yes, it shows up in my feed. Okay, because it's changed. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there's not many ears on there anymore. No, but still really cool. Um, right now uh she and she actually posted this on her instagram she's just kind of she's trying to take a new direction um and she doesn't have her etsy store anymore um but she's basically just kind of going on a a journey um to kind of go back in and connect with her um black and indigenous roots ancestral roots so i'm actually very happy for her i think that's great indeed <laughs> and hopefully i've i hope that she can take this you know um creative journey that she's you know going on and maybe put that into you know some more products to sell when she opens her etsy store back absolutely but i think it, it's a cool follow like after i saw the change i kind of went back and looked at the other pictures to catch up and it's it's really cool so please check out ever endearing uh, another website that is really cool is Graveyard Shift Sh- Sisters. Love them. <laughs> so it's an online web, uh, web, cease, uh, ugh, I swear I can talk. <laughs> it's Monday. Nobody can I swear. Talk. <laughs> so <laughs> this is an online website, <laughs> a resource website dedicated to the scholarship of black women and women of color in the horror and science fiction genres and i i picked that you know more specifically because of what we're going to talk about today too yeah (laughs) so yeah definitely uh check them out um a lot of their posts are more like specific to films but you know they have other discussions about black females in horror um and you know they do mention like a few books and things that you should read um they have great tips and great reviews for movies and books so check out graveyard shift sisters shift sisters absolutely gosh it's okay (laughs) it's a it's a mouthful um so the first one i picked is bad mouth bruja oh love it lots of really great witchy goodness on her site Mm -hmm. so there's different pins and lanyards all sorts of fun stuff but she also specifically does really great pins for black actresses and actors so she highlights prudence from chilling adventures of sabrina love it um also rochelle from the craft and obviously the wonderful and iconic marie laveau from american horror story yeah so good stuff over there definitely check her out 
And the second one that I picked is one that we've talked about before, but um, my cats look so freaking cute in her bed that I want to talk about her again. Um, <laughs> and that is Four Love Designs. So uh, it's the number four and then L-U-V and designs. So it's run by a wonderful gal named Lexi who's based in the UK. And I believe that she is originally from Jamaica, um, but she now lives in the UK. And she makes the most fun witchy goodies. Um, everything from wax melts to she's got ritual spell kits and um, intention boxes and all sorts of really fun stuff that you can get. But my absolute favorite thing that I have from her and my friend Daniela got it for our 900 animals that we have, which is a (laughs) big, fluffy, spooky, humongous bat print bed. It looks so comfortable. And the kids fight over it all the time. Uh, And occasionally the two tuxedos, because they like each other the most of all the cats, uh, they will actually snuggle in it together. And it's big enough that if it's the two of them, even though Felix (laughs) is becoming a little bit of a fatty, he's getting a little thick. Because sometimes when mom (laughs) gives the two old guys snacks during the day, since mom's working from home, mom forgets to pick up all the cat food. So, you know, Felix, who is not old and does not need a snack, is getting a little thick. But anyway, I digress. (laughs) The bed is big enough for your thick cats. There so, you go. Yeah, it's super cute. Um, and I absolutely love it. She's got a few different designs, but definitely check her out for Love Designs. Run by Lexi. She is a darling and delightful gal. Um, definitely check her out and support her. Yes. Yeah. Please, but also support all of your small businesses. Specifically. Please. Black owned businesses. Yes, that as well. Yes. All the time. All the time. <laughs> Well, today yeah. is Book Club. Ooh. Yes. Hope you've been following along. Yes. So we read Lovecraft Country by Matt Ruff. It was very good. It was. And, you know, it just occurred to me, we never picked our book for the next month. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's okay. We'll pick our book and we'll post it on our yes, Instagram. So that you can follow along with yeah. that. Sorry. <laughs> It's been, it's been a, it's been a uh, rough couple of weeks. <laughs> we got it. Hang, we got this. by a thread. <laughs> yeah, we got this. But yeah, we read Lovecraft Country by Matt Ruff, uh, better known as the HBO series on available on HBO Max, um, which we actually both watched the series before we read the book. Yeah, and I... <laughs> hindsight, I probably would have liked to read the book first. You know, I'm kind of... Then watch the series. I'm glad that I watched the series first. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, okay. Reason being is I always get grumpy when I... And this is this is a personal thing, and I know I need to get over it. <laughs> um, but I always get grumpy when I watch something based on the book and then go, that's not what happened in oh, the book. That's not how this happened. That's true, and, yeah. And I get so bitchy about it. And like, Sarah, calm down. It's like... <laughs> It's, it's like you know they're gonna embellish some stuff right it happens know, all the time you know it's gonna be different like sit down <laughs> chill out eat your popcorn and enjoy it so i'm in this particular case i'm glad that i um watched the series first mm-hmm. but then also it gave me a little more context with the characters yeah. so i could actually see them in in when i'm when i'm reading about okay. atticus yeah. i see the gentleman that played atticus yeah yeah, that, that actually happened to me quite a bit during uh, reading. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the characters that were sure. in this series, I was like, oh, yeah, I can you, see why they did that. You put a face to the name. Yeah. 
for sure. Even though I kind of do that on my own anyway, without, you know, having watched the show, but... Well, but then I get real disappointed. Like, um, <laughs> well, well, like, okay, good example, Fifty Shades of Grey. I knew you were going to say that. Yep. <laughs> Jamie Dornan is not Christian Grey. No. No, I'm sorry. Does not fit the description. Ian Summerhalder wasn't available. I don't know. I mean... Maybe he wasn't intense. Because that's who I had pictured in my head. I think there was a lot of people that pictured him. Because <laughs> he was perfect. But and then when they said, what's his name? Charlie. Oh, oh Charlie Hoonan? Yeah, I was like, no. 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 You guys know. No. And then, you know, when they mentioned Jamie Dornan, and then, you know, because I know him from, um, oh, man, that Disney series that was out. Um uh, when they go back to the storybook land and i can't think of the name of it i don't know anyway but he was he had like full beard so i was mm-hmm. like this is not gonna work and then they shaved him down and all that i was like uh, eh. yeah. <laughs> but anyway yeah so that's why i was glad that because i usually get somebody pictured in my head mm-hmm. like i i feel like i know okay like good example when i read dr sleep didn't have have danny torrance pictured as ewan mcgregor but I thought I'm, it was a good fit. It was a good fit. It's just not how I pictured him. Yeah. Um. But then, you know, sometimes, like, in the Fifty Shades of Grey instance, I get royal let down. Um, <laughs> and so I'm I'm glad that I watched the series first because it's helping me get over my being bitchy when things are different. <laughs> Somebody move my cheese. Get off my lawn. I love you. If you've never had to read the Who Moved My Cheese book, you've never worked in corporate America. It's terrible. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's seriously called Who Moved My Cheese. Who Moved My Cheese. Yep. It is an oldie. Mm, that's my story right now because I can't have dairy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just sad. Who Moved My Vegan Cheese. Well, um, I was going to get into a little bit about Matt Ruff, just so we can have a little background on him and all of his writing so uh matt ruff was born in new york city in 1965 kind of makes sense <laughs> just just saying with his writing um he um at the age of five he decided that he wanted to be a fiction writer because that's what all five-year-olds think about um <laughs> in elementary school he wrote a number of short stories and many of them starring his classmates in scenari- in scenarios uh cribbed from movies or tv uh ruff had you know said that reading um these aloud in english class was his first experience performing in front of an audience and his sorry sorry i'm trying to turn the volume down on my phone (laughs) sorry i'm so sorry i hope that song came up it did i'm sorry i was trying to turn the volume down please leave it shit (laughs) please leave it (laughs) oh my god i'm so sorry continue i'm the worst um so many adults around him attempted to persuade him to choose a different career but ruff's mother was super supportive of his hope to become a writer and actually for one of his birthdays she bought him an ibm selectric typewriter throwback (laughs) yeah and then um from third to eighth grade uh, ruff attended a parochial school oh god parochial school there it is <laughs> he attended uh 
Suevestant High School in Manhattan, and one of his teachers there was um, the the memoirist Frank McCourt. Pretty cool. Some good background. So, (laughs) so Ruff um, first uh, sustained effort at a novel was actually a soap opera like story about a family with a lot of children. Oh God, that sounds terrible. (laughs) (laughs) No disrespect to anybody who has a lot of kids. Well, he. Like, he only had, like, older half-siblings, so he was very fascinated by the concept of siblings. I don't know why. Um, Anyway, (laughs) so um, he wrote in the 1970s, but never, like, published it. Um, And then he said, describing it, Ruff said, um, think eight is enough with uh, surreal elements. He said there was no overall plot, just a series of loosely linked episodes, a chapter about the boys and girls digging uh, competing tunnel systems under the house would be followed by one in which they got infected by some weird flu strain and started passing out in the halls. Periodically, I'd set aside what I'd written and start the whole thing over again. (laughs) I mean, that sounds like a soap opera. Mm hmm. Just a whole lot of stuff going on and no solution. <laughs> um, so a couple of unpublished uh, novels. So um, in the late 1970s and early 1980s, uh, Ruff uh, wrote a fantasy novel that he never completed. I hope that he completes it. Uh, mm-hmm. And then between 1982 and 1984, Ruff wrote a semi-autobiographical um, novel about a Lutheran minister's son who questioned his faith. Uh, part of Ruff's motive for writing the novel was to let his parents know he wasn't going to be a devout Christian, which they had hoped he would. <laughs> oh, snap. I know. <laughs> so, and then in 1985, uh, uh, he wrote a coming of age story set in Queens called Today's Tom Sawyer. Uh, over the summer between his sophomore and junior years uh, at college at, at college at Cornell and then uh, it had upwards of 400 pages which Ruff wrote in three months and um, he based a character in the story on a female student in his class and gave her a copy of the finished manuscript oh that was nice hmm. <laughs> so some of uh, his published works that are out and you can read uh, his first novel uh, Full on the Hill uh, it's a fantasy that drew on his experiences living in uh, a Risley residential college at Cornell. Um, so it's like kind of like a little, it was published shortly after he graduated um, in the university. And then his second book, Sewer, uh, Gas and Electric, the Public Works Trilogy. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. His third book set this house in order, A Romance of Souls. Um, and that focuses on two protagonists dis, uh, displaying a fictionalized version of dis- dissociative identity disorder. Ooh. Yeah. I was going to say, that kind of sounds cool. <laughs> sounds like... Uh, but it sounds like a lot. <laughs> what was that? Uh, was it a John Cusack movie, Identity? Yes. Yeah. It's a good one. <laughs> so the, the novel was long listed for the uh, 2005 International Dublin Literary Award and won the uh, 2007 James... A Tip Tree Junior Award and a PNBA Book Award mm-hmm. and a Washington State Book Award. So that's pretty cool. Uh, his fourth novel, Bad Monkeys, uh, received the 2008 Washington State Book Award for Fiction and another uh, PNBA Book Award. His fifth book, 
uh, the an alternative history novel titled The Mirage. I actually kind of want to read this one. Yeah. <laughs> Just like going back. Um, and that came out in 2012. And it was uh, nominated for the Sidewise Award uh, for Alternative History. And of course... Lovecraft Country, <laughs> uh, which came out in 2016. It was nominated for the World Fantasy Award in 2017 for the novel category. And uh, in 2020, he came out with 88 names. Ooh. And that's Matthew Ruff. There, I feel like I would want to read another one of his books. Yeah, I actually did not. Um, I didn't dislike his writing style. No, I didn't either. It kind of engaged me quite a bit. So, um, But after reading just kind of like some of the little plot summaries on some of his other books that he wrote especially this one that just recently came out um 88 names i'm i'm very interested yeah so let's talk a little bit about the book itself so for those that haven't seen the show you absolutely should yes it's good um this actually really has very little to do with hp lovecraft there are some references to him um but it is not and there are some mentions of lovecraftian monsters but this really has nothing to do with hp lovecraft well shit yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and we'll talk a little bit more about kind of why when we discuss the book but i'll just give you a really brief synopsis of the book how it's structured and some of the main characters so we follow our main protagonist who is atticus turner happens to be a black man and a former korean war veteran and or not a former veteran but he is a korean war veteran former soldier montrose turner who's his father george berry who is his uncle uh hippolyta berry who is his aunt letitia dandridge who is his neighborhood friend when they grew up together in chicago um what's her actual i forget what her last name is letitia lewis is what her last name is in the series so her name in the book is letitia dandridge ruby dandridge who's her sister um, Samuel Braithwaite, who is a lodge master at Artem Sorcerer's Coven, which plays a major role in the story of the book, who happens to be a white man, and his son, Caleb <laughs> Braithwaite. Yep. Notably missing from this cast of characters, if you watch the series, is Christina Braithwaite, mm-hmm. um, because they just wanted to cast a hot white girl in the TV series, as most of Hollywood does. I mean, she was I. She real pretty. I was just jealous. That was hate. That was that was hating. <laughs> <laughs> that was hating. Yeah, Sorry. She, she a real pretty Aussie. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about how the book is structured. So it's broken out into um, almost little vignettes that don't really intertwine. So when going through a lot of different stories obviously you'll have different characters and their timelines are their their timelines overlap within the same chapter so you typically the author will go through you know here's what's happening with Atticus and then there's a big space on the page but it's still the same chapter and then oh here's what Uncle George is doing over here <laughs> that's not how this is structured this is structured in different quote unquote chapters but they're all independent stories. So yes. 
we start off and the very first one's titled Lovecraft Country. So we meet Atticus Turner, um, who's working in Florida after leaving the army and he's coming home to Chicago, but he receives a mysterious letter from his estranged father, um, who's saying that he had left Chicago to go to Artem, Massachusetts, where he could find some information on Atticus's mother. Um, so then obviously Atticus and Uncle George and then Letitia start on this hunt to find Montrose. And um, what's really interesting about the way that the story is written is it specifically um, catalogs and discusses the struggles of black Americans during the, the civil yeah. rights or pre-civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. Um, so they specifically talk about the Negro travel guide, also known as the green book. Yes. Um, and Hippolyta actually does a lot of research for the safe Negro, tra- Negro travel guide. Um, and they get more into that in the in the show in that very first episode. Um, and Diana actually helps a little bit and she makes a cute little cartoon one. Um, I say <laughs> cute, but it's really actually tragic that she knows what that is at her age and she has to write it. Right. Um, but there are... Um, there are a lot of references in this book. Not actually quite as many because the, the Emmett Till piece didn't happen in the book but i was glad that they included it in the show yeah um and the the, oh my god the little ghost girls from the show okay (laughs) oh my god no i'm gonna have dreams about them thanks sorry get shit gave me nightmares yeah but anyway um so the reason that i mention their their green book is the um atticus uncle george and letitia obviously living in the south and traveler going from chicago and up to massachusetts they have to go through parts um below the mason dixon line that are still segregated that are sundown counties meaning you need to be indoors or you're dead Mm -hmm. um and it discusses the many times that they are um chased by police or racists and nearly murdered um so same thing happens. Atticus and Letitia and Uncle George end up going, getting to Artem finally after very harrowing experiences. Um, and then they discover uh, Artem Lodge. And then that's where Atticus learns that he's the descendant of the Lodge's founder. Um, he's then held hostage um, by Samuel Braithwaite. And they're trying with all these other members of the Lodge to uh, perform a ceremony. And he needs a descendant to do this, to be a conduit for ancient power. Um, so, and <laughs> we know that this will actually kill Atticus in the process. Mm-hmm. But um, Caleb, a.k.a. Christina, <laughs> in the series, uh, <laughs> is also there and instructs Atticus with an incantation to murmur during the ceremony and then all the members of the lodge are killed. Now, this is kind of where the story starts to shift a little bit because Uncle George is killed in the show as they're trying to escape. However, in the book, Uncle George survives. Yay. Yeah. Um, I was like, how are you going to kill off my Courtney B. Vance? Oh my God, I love Courtney B. Vance. Me too. That was too soon. It was. And you know what? I really liked Uncle George. Me too. I was bummed, you know? I'm just glad that, I mean, going back on what you said, like, I'm actually glad, like, I read the book after now, going back on that because he was more in it. (laughs) And so to my point, how I get grumpy when things are different. Yeah. This is something that would have made me really fucking grumpy. 
Yeah. Um, because when characters started getting killed off in Doctor Sleep, I'm like, what the fuck? And then and same thing in The Shining. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, when Dick Holleran gets a fucking axe to the chest. I'm sorry, I'll try to watch my language. But anyway, in the, in the movie, Dick Holleran gets an axe to the chest. And in the book, he doesn't die. Yeah. And he goes on to be in Doctor Sleep. You know, just trying to get everybody pulling them in. <laughs> they would have just pulled me in because i knew it was courtney b vance that I, that's all i'm saying right? i'm like how are you gonna kill him in what the second episode and the guy Third that played episode? yeah and the guy that played atticus was hot <laughs> yeah he was <laughs> like take off your shirt more right like you can you can be naked i'm okay with this <sighs> anyway yeah i support this <laughs> yes um so then that pretty much encompasses the first quote-unquote chapter slash vignette um, so then we move into the dreams of the witch house, um, which Letitia then receives a mysterious uh, inheritance from her late father. Um, and she decides to buy a very large house called the Winthrop house named after its original order uh, owner named Hiram in a largely white neighborhood. So <laughs> remember redlining kids. Yeah know your history um so her idea was she was going to buy this house cheap because supposedly it's haunted and then she was going to fix it up and rent out the rooms to other members of the black community which noble effort however of course what do white people in the 50s really hate when a person of color comes into their neighborhoods Uh, i don't know sarah what right then guess what let's play guess what happens next so Obviously, the neighbors then start to do things like leaving, like throwing manure at the house and they start vandalizing her car and like doing all sorts of really awful shit and getting away with it. So after Letitia moves in and all these terrible things start happening, uh, Hiram Winthrop's ghost is really unhappy that she moved in and she's going to be sharing it with all of these new residents so they actually have a little altercation and she then tells him that if he kills her she'll just come back and keep haunting him (laughs) yeah um so they end up coming to this wonderful odd relationship where they share a love of chess and his (laughs) little pieces move on their own so she just you know in passing will move pieces around (laughs) i wouldn't mind playing with a ghost it'd be fun i mean as long as i know it's a friendly ghost exactly it's when i it's when i'm afraid that they're not friendly. it's when it's casper right if it's cute little little casper rolling around here little I'm devon sawa casper right <laughs> can i keep you <laughs> play chess with me forever oh my god <laughs> um and then toward the end of the quote-unquote chapter, uh, there's a there's three men that break in to try to burn the house down because they're you know people of color are moving into my neighborhood. Next thing you know, they're going to want I'm the vote. Angry. Yep. So they move in to try to burn the house down, and then Hiram Winthrop, having uh, formed a relationship with and a friendship with Letty, uh, then intervenes, takes them all down to the basement, and locks them up down there until the cops can bail them out. Uh huh. And then later we discover that William Braith. Breathe, huh. Breathe White. Jesus, you could have picked a better name, Matt Ruff. Um, actually arranged for the sale of the house to, to Letitia. Ah. Was not left in the will. Um, <laughs> okay, so then this is where the book and... Because for the most part, with the exception of Uncle George's death, for the most part, 
the book and the series are pretty consistent up yeah. to this point. I mean, obviously, with the exception, too, of Hiram Winthrop being a, a white supremacist and Grand Wizard and the KKK and all that business, that <laughs> that part didn't happen, but they did have a little altercation. So, like, the yeah. big, you know, overly done seance that happened in the basement, like, didn't happen. Right. Um, but at least for the most part, the story was pretty consistent. But here in this next section where we get to Abdullah's book, this is where the series and the book take diverging paths Mm -hmm. um, and they become completely different. Yeah. So we then find, and and this book is called, is called the book of names in the series, which um, it's still called the book of names here, but it's much more, it's, it's made out to be a bigger deal in the series than it is in the book and the book's almost like an afterthought yeah like we hear about it a little bit but yeah that's which it. i was like kind of shocked that they went in that direction in the series too yeah i thought it was kind of cool yeah like just well anyway <laughs> yeah and they just like they they totally took that and ran with it and then you know the the time traveling bit in episode nine where they're trying to go back get the book before the house burns down like it's yeah it's anyway moving on so <laughs> in this particular little vignette Caleb actually blackmails Georgia Montrose to break into the Natural History Museum and retrieve a secret book um, that's hidden behind several incantations to protect it. But And they also bring uh, two members of a Freemason Lodge that Georgia Montrose also belonged to. Freemasons run the country <laughs> um, to come and help. So... Abdullah and Pirate Pirate Joe, who's the lodge master, um, Abdullah nearly dies, but they're actually able to retrieve the book. And Caleb honors his deal with the men, but it turns out to be the book of names that's once owned by Hiram Winthrop. Um, So he delivers the book that he stole from them along with a sizable amount of money. Nice. Mm Mm-hmm. Good job. Yeah. And then... We get into the next chapter, which is Hippolyta Disturbs the Universe. Yeah. Dude, she's such a badass. She was my favorite yeah, character. Agreed. I loved this, her this so This was my favorite much. part of the book. Yes. I have to say. She's <laughs> such a badass. I was waiting for you to get to this one. I'm like, get mm. to Hippolyta. Get to Hippolyta. <laughs> okay. So, so Hippolyta finds a secret compartment in one of the rooms of the Winthrop house um, that has a book and a key. And the book gives an address for an observatory in warlock hill wisconsin hippolyta who has a lifelong passion for astronomy just love it yes then decides and um a side note i'm just gonna get on my my rant even though i went to school for science and i obviously don't have a career in science i work in marketing i'm very far off my um my chosen vocation however we need more women in stem yep so if you've got a little person in your life who's interested in a stem field encourage them feed that get them a baby microscope do the thing get them a telescope anyway moving on (laughs) um so hippolyta decides to take a trip out there and go and see it so she finds the observatory and is able to get in with the mysterious key um and then she discovers that it doesn't contain a telescope but it has a big control console that has 64 windows each displaying a three-digit number and a button so she then discovers that by changing the numbers in the windows and pushing the button, a scene is projected inside the observatory from random places in the universe. 
So this kind of ties into that documentary I was telling you about oh, called The Phenomenon. Yeah, I got aliens. Watch that. Yeah. Got to watch that. Dude, it's <laughs> Ill. Don't watch it before you go to bed. It'll freak well, you out. Well, you know that's probably what I'm going to do. <laughs> that's what I always do. And then I fall asleep. So, well, that you don't want to fall asleep on this one. It's I mean, I'll start it over. <laughs> okay. It's real interesting. So she then discovers um all of these different places in the universe and there is a door frame on the other side of the observatory, which she actually starts to suspect will let her walk out into that random place. So the book that she found included 64 three-digit numbers. So she then dials those in and pushes the button, and it displays a white sandy beach. So she goes through the door frame onto the beach and discovers a house in the distance. Um, and then once she starts to go out, she is then kidnapped by a gal who we have come to find is named Ida. So Ida then explains that she and several others have been taken there 20 years ago by Hiram Winthrop. Um, and he was pissed that his son had run off with one of the maids and he was going to keep all of them there until they told him where said son was. So to show them that he meant business, he <laughs> left them there and said he would come back in a few days. However, spoiler alert, he never came back. Yeah, right. Yep. Um, so then it's implied that he died before he could ever come back. I'm okay with that. Yep. Um, and then there's not confirmed, but it is alluded to that uh, he died perhaps at the hands of Samuel Braithwaite. Mm -hmm. yep um so ida then destroys the book with the 64 digit location written in it and she eventually lets hippolyta leave but makes her promise to destroy the key claiming she wants to stay there and be left alone girl same mm -hmm. um so hippolyta leaves but she doesn't destroy the key yeah i knew she wasn't going to mm -mm. <laughs> all that power right i'd keep the key too mm -mm. um so then we move into Jekyll and Hyde Park. Um, and this focuses more on Ruby, who's Letitia's sister and her story. So Caleb Braithwaite, a.k.a. Christina Braithwaite, um, <laughs> then approaches her and says that he needs someone to do odd jobs for him and also keep an eye on the Winthrop house. So in return, he gives her a potion that will turn her into a red haired white woman for a period of time. I love this. Dude, the way that they depicted this was just like uh, fucking heart-wrenching like it <laughs> yeah it, it yeah yeah so, i liked it though i like uh, i don't know no 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 I, I i know what you mean it it's i i loved reading about it because it just like slaps you in the face mm -hmm. with how blatant racism was and still is in this country yeah so people going up to her when she's black in front of a nice house and assuming that she must be the maid versus when she's this little redheaded white woman and people are hitting on her mm -hmm. and getting her jobs and all these other things like oh my god yeah it's yeah it it, it breaks my heart and you know, I, I don't I don't get to be heartbroken anymore. This has been happening for 400 years now. I just get to be continually disgusted. Um, so Ruby then takes this potion and she discovers all of this freedom that she never would have had as a black woman. 
again. Yeah. Heartbreaking. So sad. (laughs) Um, So she agrees to continue working for Caleb. And one of the next meetings that he has her do is attend a meeting of representatives of the different sorcerer lodges around the country. Um, But disguised as this redhead that they actually name Hillary. Um, Because Hillary sounds like a white girl name. (laughs) Um, I mean... You know, not wrong. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so Caleb then proposes to the lodge that they all join forces and make this little lodge union to share knowledge and help each other. Um, but then when they ask who would lead said union, he suggests that they meet back in Chicago for a contest. And whoever has the strongest display of magic gets to be the leader. Oh, that's how you decide things. And whose dick is bigger? Mm-hmm. Um, so Ruby then discovers that the potion is being made from the blood of a woman in a coma that Caleb keeps nearly frozen in a glass coffin in his basement. So crazy. So fucked up. (laughs) So fucked up. Um, so then Ruby cuts him off, um, or says that she wants to cut him off, but then she can't leave. Um, and then we move into the narrow house in which Caleb asks Atticus and Montrose to find Henry Winthrop, who's the son of Hiram. Henry took some of his father's books when he ran away, including some of his notebooks, and Caleb wants them back. Oh, so, mm-hmm. So Atticus and Montrose then go to Aiken, Illinois, where Henry's rumored to be, but they find that since Henry ran off with a black woman who used to work at his father's house, they were both killed by a racist mob. Mm. I know, that made me sad. Yeah. Um, And then at their house, Montrose meets the ghost of Henry and his wife um, and their family who relive the last days of their lives every day, including the murder. I would hate that. I know, it was so sad. Um, And Montrose finds Hiram's books, but then decides to tell Caleb they found nothing. Um, And then we move into Horace and the Devil Doll. And then we meet Cousin Horace, who makes an (laughs) appearance um, after being approached by two detectives and Captain Lancaster. Um, A comic book that he drew was found near Hiram Winthrop's observatory. And they um, want Horace to ask his mother, Hippolyta, about it and report back. Um, But Horace refuses. So Lancaster casts a spell to prevent Horace from telling others about the situation and to cause inanimate objects to move. So this was the part that was changed quite a bit in the series. I was going to say, really? To be Diana. Yeah. Um, And then Horace starts to notice all kinds of cartoons and photographs grinning at him and then a doll attacks him. Um, So he he then uh, manages to use Scrabble tiles to spell out to Ruby what happened and Ruby tells Caleb. So Caleb's able to reverse the curses um, believing Lancaster thought that Caleb ordered Hippolyta to snoop around the observatory Um, and he thinks Lancaster tried to kill Horace to punish Hippolyta for working with Caleb. And then they decide to kill Captain Lancaster. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) All right. So the final chapter, The Mark of Cain, um, everybody gets together and they start sharing all their stories about Caleb. um, And he has a plan to get rid of Lancaster, but the family actually decide that they need to get rid of the both of them. Mm Mm-hmm. So then they decide to pretend to go along with Caleb, um, but then they ask Hiram Winthrop's ghost for help, and Caleb lures Captain Lancaster into a room where the monster swallows him up. Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> nom, nom, nom. Um, racist cops are delicious. <laughs> the, um, did I say that? No, not at all. Um, 
And then, so Atticus uses magic to alter Caleb's mark of Cain. So that's the mark that prevents them from entering certain places and from doing magic. So then Caleb is now bound. <laughs> and then they toss him into their truck and drop him off in Indiana and leave. Because that's where you leave things. Bye-bye. <laughs> I left my heart in Indiana. <laughs> it's freaking cold there, man. Yeah, I'm, I have no desire. Mm-mm. Nope. So what was your initial reaction to the book? Like, having having watched the series first, which mm-hmm. we talked about a little bit, um, so you mentioned that you got hooked pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like it did draw me in, but also... I feel like after watching the HBO um, series, I think that helped mm-hmm. because I felt like, oh, I was like, I already know what's going to happen, mm-hmm. but I just want to read it in a book. Yeah, man. But that's not true <laughs> because it was, it, it definitely uh, turned around there pretty quickly. Um, but um, it definitely hooked me for sure. Um, I, I can't say that like the very like opening of the first chapter pulled me in i think it was like a little bit later but i think mostly that had to do in part of um of george yeah i feel like his character in the first book kind of drew me in just with like some of the things that he was saying like it just it got me yeah and i like him (laughs) and i really liked him as uh, his uncle i did too i was i was glad to see that George survived when they broke out of the lodge. I went, yeah, wait, what? Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Does he die later? I nope. was like, he's alive? And Atticus doesn't die? You mean what? Nobody dies? Caleb doesn't die? You know who I know? I know who died, though. Hmm. Tony Stark. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> he he did. Um, <laughs> he really did. But, yeah, I... But just in general, I really love um, the way... Like... I love um, Matt Ruff's style yeah. of writing. And I think that kind of like helped too. Yeah. Like besides the fact of me watching the show, I think just his writing style kind of pulled me in. Whereas we read, um, uh, shoot, it'll come back to me. Last later. final girl. That one. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh man. I was like falling asleep, but mm-hmm. what about for you? Um, you know, it was a little bit of a slow burn. Mm-hmm. It was a little tough to get into at first. Um, but it did definitely help being able to identify the characters based yeah. on the show. Um, but his writing style is um very clear and very direct. It's he doesn't use a lot of really flowery language. Yeah, I, and I kind of like that. Yeah, you know, sometimes my brain needs a break. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> we use our brain enough during the week right well, my yeah my job gets what little brain power i have right um so yeah i i liked in my knee-jerk reactions i really liked it but then once it started to pick up like once they get to the lodge mm-hmm. um it really started to move a lot faster yeah and for you sure. know it's a pretty quick read when it you really sit was. down because it's not i don't think it's even 400 pages it was like 389 or something like that Oh, you got yours. Look at you. All prepped. Even, um, I mean, even if you count the epilogue. I mean, I got everything. Yeah. <laughs> About the book. It is 372. Boom. Yeah. So, so I mean, read. not counting the acknowledgments and 
all this other cool Who stuff in the reads back. That? I do. You read the acknowledgments? Why? And I I read all this in the back too. Well, I read that about the author, but I never read the acknowledgments because oh. I just don't care about their. And I really liked the conversation. Oh, Celia, I didn't read that. I mean, it was helpful. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, I don't care. You're about like you're the... reading too much. Stop. No, it's more like I just don't care about the person that made you a quesadilla while you were writing it. I'm gonna tell everybody who made me a quesadilla. <laughs> Um, I'd like this case. Do you help me write this, this, this whole podcast right now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Did you pick out any particular themes throughout the book? I mean, definitely racism. <laughs> oh yeah. Racial prejudice, prejudice, prejudice. <laughs> I mean, racial prejudice. Oh my God. I did it again. Racial prejudice is, is front and <laughs> front and center on display. For sure. Um, and I have to just say for Matt Ruff with writing a lot about that, you can tell that he did his research yes. and knew his shit mm-hmm. because if he did it, he would have got read for filth. Because for those that didn't know, Matt Ruff <laughs> is a white guy. Yeah, he is not black. No, he is not. A so he probably doesn't really know much about racism. <laughs> No, bros, if you won the genetic lottery, so everything is easy for you. No one questions. You can be the president of the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, he did. But um, and I don't know. I just got like a really big fantasy feel on it. But I think that mostly for me came from uh, my favorite little story in the book um about um uh hippolyta i loved her i loved that so well but <laughs> i really loved so i obviously racial prejudice is front and center there you go um <laughs> but you know i loved this concept of especially and it really hit me for ruby of um really thinking about what you want and being careful what you want yeah because God, man have i been thinking about that lately right <laughs> like when you when you sit and think about it if you could live as a person in a different skin mm-hmm. but it comes at a really terrible cost for somebody else do you want to do it and is that feeling that you get so freeing that it's worth sacrificing someone else and someone else's happiness see i would i would say no oh fuck no I'd be like, no, you know what? I'll pass. Don't give I me that potion. No, I couldn't live with myself. I really couldn't. Yeah. Like, I got to look at the I mean, mirror I can day. say, though, that transformation was pretty cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, in the show, yeah. it was a bit much. It's a little, a little extra. <laughs> like, especially the part where they're, like, doing it, and then she transforms. <laughs> and <laughs> like, all the skin as, falls off as of they're, her. As they're climaxing, I was like, oh, you guys killed it for me. Yeah. Right there. I'm so turned off right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm man. I'm so turned off right now. But I, you know, one of the things that I actually really did appreciate about how it was written, and it came to you and I talked about it earlier. Um, for those of our listeners that didn't know, I pulled up a little bit of research to ruin your day. Um, <laughs> for those that didn't know... It. H.P. Lovecraft was a horrible racist. Yeah. Um, he wrote, and obviously he wrote Call of the Cthulhu, At the Mountains of Madness, The Shadow Over Innsmouth, and The Dunwich Horror. Um, but 
He was a well-known racist, white supremacist, and anti-Semite. So Vogue actually published a piece that stated that Lovecraft started writing racist poetry when he was just 22. And obviously many of the poems used inappropriate language um, and others reimagined a world where white people were replaced by immigrants. And he, it's, you know, it's heartbreaking because there are so many monsters and, and so many um, horror filmmakers and authors who drew a lot of inspiration from Lovecraft. Mm -hmm. So to see someone who had so much talent and so much creativity but was such a colossal piece of shit is like <laughs> yeah it sucks because it's like bro you just had to be a decent human and agree that people are people and people are equal like you yeah um but he also was a big proponent of segregation and he actually also referred to non-white people as monsters in his literature um Jesus. yeah <laughs> oh so man. i found an interview with matt ruff that he did with the la times um and they you know they start talking about this and how how horrible hp lovecraft was as a person but i liked that they tied in at the beginning of the book the specific discussion with and, and you know i didn't get it until i looked more into it but atticus and uncle george start mm -hmm. having this discussion about atticus loves sci-fi yeah. so freaking much and uncle and he's he talks to uncle george and it's like you know but i feel like these books let me down so much yeah. because they stand for such terrible things um so Matt Ruff had said he was trying to think of a different kind of reader who may want to love Ruff, Lovecraft, but just can't get past the stuff that Lovecraft did and didn't regard people of color as being fully human. Um, so he said there had to be a story told about that. And I agree. fucking kudos, Matt Ruff. Yeah. Um, so then he continued to say that he he specifically wanted to write a sci-fi horror book because their previous and the 100 true um most of the of the genre is dominated by white people and white critics mm -hmm. who just completely overlook the fact that lovecraft is completely racist um and there were always black science fiction fans out there, but their voices have never been heard. Um, and they just kind of had to deal with the fact that, to in his direct quote, he they just sort of had to deal with the fact that they loved the genre and it didn't love them back. And there are certain things that you read that just strike you and was like, God damn, I can't imagine what that would be like to love something so much and so passionately and you feel like you don't have a place in it yeah and we gotta fix it we do we have to change this seriously and this book is a really good start um so i said man he did his research he did <laughs> um and and i really appreciated that most of the cast of characters is black and it was yeah. it was an interesting new perspective to read from um and that's my spiel about themes. And I got completely off topic. No, it's totally fine. <laughs> I loved it. 
<laughs> well, there's one like little part I just wanted to read, like just to yeah, yeah, yeah. touch a little bit more on that. And, and it's in the first chapter, and I think that's when it really kind of like started to pull me in. I mean, obviously, Uncle George, because he's cool. Because, you know, they're having that conversation about, you know, like, you know, Atticus mentions, like, but you, you love these stories so much, even though they kind of like do us wrong a little bit you know (laughs) but you know and he says like uh he's like i do love them but stories are like people you know loving them doesn't make them perfect you try to cherish their virtues and overlook their flaws the flaws are still there though yep i was like come on hitting me yep just hitting me (laughs) yep so i just uh anyway (laughs) moving on um which character did you relate to the most you know like i can't really say i'm this the same character in the series but i feel like in the book i feel like i'm i'm ruby yeah i feel like i'm a ruby <laughs> she's very different in the book yeah. than she is in the movie or the series um in the, the series se- she was very like tough and She's very thick skin a little bit. Well, she's very boisterous. Yeah. Um, but in the book, she kind of comes into her own toward the end, but yeah. she's very demure, mm-hmm. very soft spoken, very straight laced. Sounds um, like somebody I used to know. Right. Then bad, bro- bad girl Bree Bree showed up. <laughs> That's why I said I, I feel like I, I can relate a lot to her yeah because i feel like that is me Mm -hmm. still maybe a little bit in some ways yeah but yeah but i do enjoy that like you know at the 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 end of that particular chapter you know she kind of breaks out and you know goes out on her own and everything and i don't know i just i just feel very close to that story yeah and that character excuse me (laughs) what about for you I felt like I related to Hippolyta a lot. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Because she's kind of nerdy. But then Hippo- <laughs> Hippolyta's like me where we just, you see something and you're like, let's just figure this out. Let's yeah. just let's just go. Let's just do it. Let's move on. <laughs> it's just like, let's get the research. Let's go. Get it and <laughs> do this. Yeah. I, liked, I yeah. liked her a lot. I really liked Hippolyta because I just want to be more like her. <laughs> oh, she's great. Yeah. It, it's a great character. And I just loved her 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 chapter like it really kind of pumped me up oh yeah like a lot <laughs> i love that she's she nerdy too she's smart yeah, super smart i loved it and that you know and and that was really kind of overlooked too totally. and i'm glad that you know matt ruff really really like highlighted that like yes. how smart she was mm-hmm and you know just and even with you know just helping do the research for the green book and and everything like I don't know. Anyway, I won't. No, no, no. <laughs> you're good. Too long. No, you're good. <laughs> you're good. Um, what did you? How did you feel about the ending? <sighs> like the book or the show? Book. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like coming off of the two chap the the two chapters before that, and then coming into the end. I don't know. I just. I felt like it was a little. It was anticlimactic. Yeah, I, I felt like I wanted a little bit more. Yes. Um, but I mean, at the same time, I just I guess I don't know 
what I would change to have it make more sense to make it a little bit more exciting. Caleb Braithwaite should have died. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. No, I can agree with that. But I feel like he was, I don't know. I felt like he wanted to take it like a little different direction. Yeah. And still have like, you know, kind of the bad guy there still. Yeah. I don't know what, I mean, other than Caleb dying, what else would you have changed? It's just hard because I, <laughs> I don't really fancy myself a writer, so I hate to, I, I hate to say like what they should change, if I'm not like super sure. Because even in the show, I didn't like the ending. <laughs> oh no, I hated. I absolutely hated the ending of the show. But um, I, I, I really hated it. But you know what? Okay, so you know what? I actually did really like that was in the show that wasn't in the book. Mm-hmm. I actually really liked the romance between Letitia and Atticus. Me too. It was um, hot. Well, it was, it was wonderful eye candy. But I mean, just parties. in general, just their passion. They had great chemistry. Yeah. But, you know, I actually would have liked to, because in, in the book, their relationship is old friends. It gets mildly flirty in a couple of places, mm-hmm. but it is not romantic in nature no it's more like brother and sister yeah and i wish that it's very platonic yeah um but i actually really liked the romantic relationship between the two of them because it's complicated as fuck (laughs) in the show it is i'm like oh my god make up your mind and it made for (laughs) great storytelling it really did um so you know i would have loved for that to have been incorporated Mm -hmm. um i would have liked to have seen the bad guy die Mm -hmm. um, for sure but and you know more monsters because I actually really liked all the monsters in the show. Yeah, I would have liked. That was the one thing I think it was missing, it was missing. for me. Yeah, I, I wish Just that there were more monsters. Yeah, because oh, when when the the scene where um the very beginning of the the book movie where they are trying to leave the county mm-hmm. and then the monsters come out at night when they're taken by the the cops and yeah. then the monsters all eat the cops. I'm like fuck yeah man this is great yes <laughs> more, more monsters this, right <laughs> um yeah i wish that there probably would have been more monsters yeah well especially because of the title of the book you it kind of already you expect it going in yeah that there's just it's gonna be a whole there's gonna be a cthulhu somewhere yeah didn't get that no not a one nary a cthulhu oh well nope but that's okay <laughs> yeah so that, you know those probably would have been the big changes <laughs> um did your did the book change your perspective on anything? Um, not really. Be- just as far as like just the time that it takes place in. Mm-hmm. Um, the the only thing I would say, I guess that well, I can't really say that it changed, but just the fact that in this book, you know, that they were portrayed as very smart. Like you have Uncle George, you have. Uh, Hippolyta, uh, Hippolyta, <laughs> and they're super duper smart, super educated, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that it was highlighted in this because I feel like even in some other books, it's not it's not highlighted a lot. Like no. that, actually, in that time, <laughs> there were very very s- smart black people who did the education on their own. 
and and started their started their own uh higher education universities because yeah. they were not allowed to go to other universities exactly so I'm, I'm glad that it was brought up in here and i hope that it will just bring it up more in other writings that you know are that come in the future um but it didn't really change my perspective on just i guess i would say just the time that it set in because my grandmother would tell me a lot Mm-hmm. Of, like, what happened to, you know, her and, you know, our other family members back then. Um, I mean, it, it was it was rough. Yeah. <laughs> it was really rough. And I'm glad that he didn't hold back in that. Absolutely. Um, I really appreciated that. Um, it, you know, um, okay. Going back to the question. It actually did change my perspective on science fiction. And I might read more because I didn't really like it at first. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a big science fiction person. Yeah. But I think since it really like kind of pulled me in with that, I probably would read maybe another one. Yeah. In the future somewhere. M- yeah. Maybe not tomorrow, but. <laughs> but someday. <laughs> but someday. <laughs> what about you? I don't know if it changed my perspective as much as it just like continually disgusts me <laughs> right <laughs> it's so sad and then like so much of it's still happening so well, and that's that's the thing is it's like i feel like as a white person i know I, like i don't get to be disgusted anymore i don't get to be tired of it like i don't get to i don't get to have that feeling of exasperation because it's like no it's my people that are fucking up mm-hmm. and it's my responsibility to change it. And it's my responsibility to do things like making sure that on our little podcast that, you know, five people listen to that we highlight (laughs) black authors, we highlight black actors, black filmmakers, we highlight black creators of all sorts, because this genre has betrayed its fan base of color Mm -hmm. for so freaking long. And it's my responsibility to make sure that it gets fixed like hundred percent. Yeah. So I don't know that it changed anything. It's more of just like, just gives you more fire. Yeah. It's like, we got work to do. <laughs> we yeah. got a lot of work to do. Well, and I feel like after, well, I mean, I'm not just saying it's only last year, but mainly the, the dumpster fire that was 2020. Fuck. I feel like, and I know for a lot of people, there's a lot of people that didn't care obviously because they're on that other side but i feel like with a lot of the stuff that happened it it kind of opened up some eyes more eyes than usual and i agree i mean there's still work to do <laughs> but i feel like just with a lot of the events that happened last year there are a lot of newly woke people out there sure we're woke timmy <laughs> woke timmy's there, there. newly woke people out there <laughs> oh my god we need to put that on a shirt woke timmy Woke timmy um anyway (laughs) um so i'm just i i really enjoyed this book because and then i hope other people read it if they haven't just because it just really talks about what went on yeah and he doesn't hold back he doesn't candy coat anything like a history book no um and i appreciate that he did his homework absolutely 
Well, let's talk a little bit about a couple of the, the key differences from the show and the book. So there were a couple of things that I liked that they changed. Mm-hmm. A couple of things I didn't. So. <laughs> in uh, Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. I'm, so the Christina character. Yes. I felt like was really unnecessary. I agree. I don't um, think they needed to add her. No, they wanted to cast a hot white girl to try to get more viewers, which I don't agree with. Well, and I know also, too, there's this thing in Hollywood where they're just trying to make more powerful women characters just to have that representation there. Um, But I don't think it was needed in this. No, I don't feel because like... Because it wasn't the focus. No. For me. No. I, <laughs> I, I could care less about her, no, to be honest. No. I I felt like her, her part was really unnecessary. Um, And then there's a few other so we talk about obviously uncle george dies in mm-hmm. the series he doesn't die um and then there's the inf- you know the atticus death scene like sorry tony stark dies atticus dies <laughs> in the series um and if you haven't watched it by now Again. sorry right um <laughs> but you know atticus doesn't die in the book nobody dies the end of the book and then you know the death scene for christina at the very end like didn't make any sense whatsoever bitch just cast an immortality (sighs) spell killed uh killed atticus in the process letty tries to stab her it heals itself and then she ends up under a pile of rocks and then diana comes and strangles her with a robotic arm like yeah and then she's magically dead but wait she just almost was killed and then wasn't because she's immortal but now the robot hand is- i was like if you just cast an immortality spell like how would even choking hurt you right even with a big ass rock on you right like it would just hurt right <laughs> like she'd be like ow right <laughs> so i was just like this makes this ending makes no sense i me. liked everything up until the last episode for yes. me it was just minus some of the weird transformation uh, scenes. Um, yeah, but but also there's no Gia. No, there's no Gia, and again, really, a, okay, a cool addition to the show, but really unnecessary. Yeah, remember when Jamie Chung was on the Real World? Yes, <laughs> she's <laughs> stepping up in the world, man. She was she's on, on everything. The Real World, San Diego. Sure was. That's how she got her start. And she's like. I'm an actress. Yeah. I was an actress back then too, but now I'm really an actress. I mean, I I really, I thought it was a cool little story, but it just, it, it didn't, um, it, it didn't make a difference, I guess, in the storyline. It didn't no. advance anything forward. It, and then how she came like towards the end and like, I don't know. I just felt like when her story was over, it should have been over then. I don't feel like her character should have came back. To, like, warn him again. Yeah. But, like, I, I came back to let you know that you're going to die. <laughs> okay, bye. Nope. <laughs> um, I mean, I would have liked it if it was in the book, considering we needed more monsters. But I don't necessarily feel like, you know, the story was necessary. No. Now, I will say something I liked in the show... That wasn't necessarily in the book. It was all the, the time travel stuff. No. I did like it in the show, though. I mean, it got a little confusing, but I, I did enjoy that like part of it. And 
and also the whole change about so in the show uh george and uh and hippolyta they have a child together and her name is diana yeah yeah so (laughs) not horace (laughs) but i actually kind of liked it the little swap even though diana is nowhere close to horace (laughs) yeah but um I i just like how they you know had her you know drawing the comic books and you know, really getting into the whole like sci-fi, you know, aspect of the the story, and but also she was portrayed like really super duper smart too, mm-hmm. and I really really like that. Yeah. Um, in the show, and well, in general, the cast was it was very well casted. <laughs> Just throwing that out there too. I agree. Um. Also, uh, Montrose is not gay. <laughs> no, he is not. <laughs> and I, I mean, okay. I did gag a little bit when they went to the gay bar (laughs) (laughs) and uh, Monet exchange was in there. Yes. So I fan, I fangirled just a little bit, but I kind of feel like it was unnecessary. I I agree. I feel like they just put it there to kind of push the envelope a little bit like to, kind of pull people in a little bit more like oh this is an interesting part of the story like he's gay but like he's fighting it and i mean it's just kind of the common story so i feel like it wasn't really necessary in yeah in my opinion but i mean i overall liked the the show i thought they did a really good job um i don't know i I probably should have looked it up again, but um, I I feel like Matt Ruff had a little bit of some um, uh, creative uh, part in this uh, in the series. Um, so I, I hope they went through him before they started adding all the stuff in. <laughs> but I mean, some of it worked and some of it didn't, but I really did enjoy the show a lot. Um, I'm kind of curious how they're going to make a second season. Um, I mean, if Atticus really is dead, which I feel like they're going to bring him back in some weird way if they do make a second season. But um, yeah, I think it'll be kind of interesting where they would, um, you know, where they take this. Yeah. I mean, what what did you think about the show? Minus the ending, because <laughs> I think we all hated the ending. <laughs> I really liked the series. Um, you know, there uh, there were some certain things that just kind of went awry. Um, you know, the whole episode nine was just in my mind felt really unnecessary. Um, it may have been, I don't know. It it just felt really unnecessary to me. Yeah. Um, and then the same thing with the Gia character. You know, you've, okay. you've got two episodes that don't really i mean you could argue that nine moved the story forward in some fashion Mm -hmm. but not quite as much as i think it could have i really really liked the addition of the monsters and the two little twin girls that come after diana (laughs) are the things of nightmares yeah that was i felt like at some parts i just wanted to fast forward Because I'm just like, I cannot look at their faces. Okay, you know how when, like, you feel about the nun? Yes. That's how I feel about those two little girls. Yes. It's just creepy. 
I can't even look at them. Yes. Like, <laughs> it was very hard to get through. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Well, overall, like, I guess, well, minus the show. But for the book, like, what would you rate it? Mm. <laughs> I love that when you start it that way. <laughs> yeah, like a three and a half. Yeah. I actually agree. I liked it. I mean, it's good. I know I'm always, like, Miss Nice Girl. You're way too nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I give it a three and a half. Yeah. There, I mean, I think if it had a better ending. Yeah. I, I probably would have said a four. Yeah. But I definitely agree. Yeah. Three and a half screams. Please read. Yeah, give it a good read. <laughs> and then uh, just be on the lookout because we will announce what our next book is. Yes, we'll post it on our Instagram. Yeah, we don't know yet, but we'll pick something good. Yes. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks for listening. Yes. Um, Please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Oh, yeah. We have merch on our website. Your dog is cold. Get a dog hoodie. Yep. www.thesquadghouls.com. <laughs> and email us some great ideas that you have. We yeah. Love, we'd love to hear them. We also have a contact form on our website that you can also fill out your great ideas to send to us. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Yoo-hoo. Creep, All right. Creep it real. And we'll scare you later. Bye. Bye.